The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads. Don't hit that chipmunk. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 352 with guest Eric Breckner, recorded live Tuesday, May 6, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics. Makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web Applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who still burns the midnight oil... But he's thinking about switching to diesel. Carl Franklin. Hey, guess what? It's Carl and Richard. We're here in the studio, Pop Studios. Why are you here, Richard? Why am I here? You know, I well, you know, at the end of TechEd, I had another show to do in Boston. So rather than fly from all the way from Orlando to Vancouver, just to go back to Boston, a couple of days later, yeah. I flew up to Boston early. Come and visit my friend. Have laptop will work. That's right. Have appetite will eat yes. and have thirst will drink. <laughs> and we've been doing lots of all of that. Yeah, and working and having fun. And it is beautiful out here in New London, isn't it? Yes, in a this is a great time of year. Cloudy, rainy sort of way. It's been fantastic. Oh well, you missed the good weather. Yes, I did. Anyway, let's get right into Better Know a Framework, and this one's gonna knock your socks off. All right, Miss Franklin, I am prepared for you to blow my mind. All right, this one's really cool because you might not know that it's there. It's the sequence equal method on an innumerable, and it takes two innumerables and okay. returns whether or not the sequence is equal based on the equals operator of the objects in the collection, in the list. So it actually compares the two lists of objects. It compares two lists and compares each one of, you know, calls the I comparable right. on each of those objects and determines whether they're Equal. Isn't that cool? That is pretty cool. Now I'm trying to think of why I'd want to do that. Well, you have two objects in memory. One of them is like maybe a key, and the other one is uh, an uh, 
in a collection that you're using on another thread or right. something like that. You want to make sure that these two are in sync. You want to make sure that they're equal at a certain point in the in the uh, processing. You just call this method. You don't have to write the code to iterate through all of them and check each object. Check everything. And, right. Yeah, almost a uh, uh, optimistic kind of comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I buy that. Cool. That's cool. You'll buy that for a dollar? I will indeed. All right. Lay an email on me. Nice. I need to be cheered up today. Ah, uh, okay. I'll cheer you up. Here's a good one because it starts Carl and Rich. It's not a flame? It's not a flame. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it's a thought- I don't like flames. It's a very thoughtful email. I love email. flames. Actually, we're, we're about due for flames. Oh, uh, we've got a few in the bin there. I'm just All trying right, to cool. get to them. All right. Carl and Richard, I have listened faithfully for years to .NET Rocks, Hansel Minutes, and DNR TV, and I can't get enough. I tried Mondays, but it was not my cup of tea. Oh, I'm sorry. That speaks well of him, actually. Yeah, actually, it does. He's probably got a lot more character than most of (laughs) our listeners. Some other people. (laughs) Or us, for that matter. Every time Richard reads an email with praise bubbling over, I think, yes, that is how I feel. Anyway, let me say I have great respect and appreciation for the work you do. Please keep up the great work. I met Carl at Dev Connections in Orlando in 2007 and thought you were one of the best speakers. Fun, but also polite and respectful. I hope to attend PDC 2008. Will you two be there? Answer As is, a matter of fact, yes. Yes, we will be there. What we're going to be doing exactly, we're still working out, but right. we will be there. They might give us a room if they have one to do a show. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We'd like to do a 64-bit question. That would be a lot I'd of like fun. to do lots of things PDC, but we'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. I have thought of an interview question. When I meet a new developer, it tells me a lot about them when I ask if they listen to .NET Rocks. Hmm. If they have not heard of .NET Rocks, I love to sing your praise and encourage them to start. If they are aware of your show and do not listen or don't think of much of it, that tells me even more. Hmm. Usually it is because I don't have the time, they don't see the need, or they are not interested in learning. Hmm. I don't have a long commute at present, but I make time to listen each week. Why? Here is an example. I love to mention to my coworker something that Les Pinter pointed out, one of my very favorite shows. That was a great show. He said something like, there are over 400,000 classes, objects, etc. in the framework. We cannot know everything. That's right. This is not the old VB2K of calls and objects. Mm-hmm. Since we cannot know everything, what can we do? You guys introduced me to the term just-in-time learning. I have <laughs> been doing this for a long time but did not know what to call it. Yeah, hacking is what we called it yeah. back in the day. That is the only way to cope with the deluge of information coming from Microsoft. I used to suffer from information anxiety, feeling I had to know everything. Right. What a relief to realize I don't have to know everything. And isn't it a relief to know that most of our guests don't know everything yeah, either? And we certainly don't know everything. Certainly you know, we're, You're in good company. I am responsible for designing what technologies and architectures will be used on many projects. I need at least a high-level understanding of what is out there and what is coming. Your shows help me have that understanding. Yeah. The subjects are not always interesting to me, but I listen because I do not know what the next project will be. This is an essential service you provide, so thank you. One last note. I just listened to the Scott Stanfield show. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Scott needs his own show. He does. I know he's busy. But there has to be a way to make it happen. Please make it so. Scott's awesome. Maybe the URL could be thestanfieldstation.com. You know, Scott is like a kid in a candy store with a camera, just, you know, <laughs> walking around. Oh, I've got to take a shot of that. Look at that. Hey, Carl, can you just hold my monopod here so I can just get it, get it in the frame? Yeah, I just, you know, he's so, he's so into it. Totally into it. Yeah. And that's from Bobby Ortiz. And Bobby, thanks for the great email. And you know what? You know what I'm doing tomorrow night, Richard? What are you doing? I am going to the Beacon Theater in New York City to see Steely Dan. Very nice. Very nice. And, uh, you know, New York is the place where Infusion is. 
Oh, of course, Greg Brill's company. Yeah, Greg Brill's company. We talk about that a lot on the show, and they're still looking for people to come work for them, and they have a kind of a nice offer. If you want to go work in Manhattan for a year and live in an apartment that they're going to pay for for a year, and they're going to move you there, you'll work with some great, great people on SharePoint projects, financial projects. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it is a very creative group to work for. Very good stuff. So if you want to learn more about that, if you're a good .NET developer and you got a year to kill, you want to go to Manhattan, go to New York, and be in the middle of it all, you can uh, read more about it at shrinkster.com slash kh6. Well, Richard, uh, I'm pleased to say our guest today is Mr. I.M. Wright, also the alter ego of Eric Breckner. Eric is the Director of Engineering, Learning, and Development for Microsoft Corporation. His group is responsible for improving the people, processes, and practices of software development across Microsoft through the application of human performance technology. And I can't wait to hear about this, because this sounds really, really intriguing. Welcome, Eric. Uh, Welcome to you. So the story goes that uh, a couple of months ago, Mark Hudson, one of our listeners uh, in Bristol in the United Kingdom, sent me an email and said, I recently got the book, I Am Right's Hard Code, (laughs) where Eric talks all about software development and is hysterical. (laughs) And so uh, I took a look, ran into the blog and said, oh, man, Eric, you got to come on the show. Well, I'm happy to be here. It's a a lot of fun to write the blog. The first thing I noticed about your blog is you have lots and lots of photos of yourself with different... uh, uh, enhancements (laughs) enhancements <laughs> yeah like the band-aid <laughs> right. over the black eye kind of thing or the or the magic markered in hair and goatee what's up with that i the, the basic idea was uh, i i started writing the column just internally a long time ago now like six years ago or something and uh and at the time i didn't particularly want to write it my my boss suggested, I had suggested writing an opinion column for an uh, internal webzine that we had. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just to spice it up a bit because it was kind of dry the way it was. And, you know, my boss said, well, why don't you write it? I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that because, you know, I'm thinking of someone really opinionated, really arrogant, really kind of nasty, tunnel thinking sort of guy. And, uh, and I don't want to appear that way um, for the people I work with because, mm. you know, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I have touches of that, but, you know, I try to be a little more, you know, pleasant and open-minded and all that. And uh, I didn't want to have this whole reputation. And, you know, we kind of came up with the idea of, of a character, right, a right. pseudonym, so this I am right character. And then the idea was, okay, well, you know, you had to have a picture at the time um, on this webzine for the author. And I didn't want just my picture. So I kind of took a picture of myself with this really nasty smirk on my face. And then doctored it up, and then that just kind of became a thing, you know, for for each of the columns. I like the Uncle Fester picture with the light bulb in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah, the Uncle Fester. There, there are a lot of good ones. Uh, there are a lot of hilarious ones. I did the first. Uh, I did the first one, and then one of our graphic artists kind of got a hold of the idea and, and loved it. And uh, <laughs> just in his just in his spare time, so the first, you know, like eight or nine columns had uh, had it doctored up that really matched the actual column, uh, you know, the content of the column. And, uh, you know, it's like, where's the beef had a big hamburger and, right. you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and then, 
you know, and then eventually he, you know, he had other priorities and everything, but we had enough of these to go around to, you know, kind of just apply them as, as we liked each, and would each you, month. And would you say there's just as much comedy as there is good information? I mean, here's one from August 2005 called Controlling Your Boss for Fun and Profit. I mean, is there anything, <laughs> yeah. is there anything really valuable in there or is it just tongue-in-cheek funness? Yeah. Well, each of the columns follow the same format. It's kind of developed over the years uh, where, you know, I start out with a rant, uh, you know, which is, you know, it's funny people ask me if I run out of ideas, but every month there's something that, I don't know about you, but there's always something that really kind of, you know, gets me going during that month. And rather than just kind of put that away and be polite and everything, you know, I, I, I add that to the backlog of things to talk about. Right. And then uh, when it comes time to write something up, you know, I kind of rant about that for a few paragraphs and then, and then it switches to, okay, well, what's the, what's at the core of the issue, right? What, what is, what's the basics behind what pissed me off? And then the, the column sort of transforms or transitions into this, okay, here's here's what it could be here's what it should be you know and i share some best practice or talk about some philosophy or whatever it happens to be that's a you know that ends a bit more constructively in a upbeat yeah well and, and looking at that particular post which is it's from august 2005 it's been around for a while the your little yeah. asides really sort of set the stage for yeah. what's going on right and that, and that one about controlling your boss or fund and profit your side is you gave an internal talk about the topic your registration filled instantly, and which really points out the fact that people are actually wondering, how do I influence my boss? No, right. absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a huge issue here because at, at Microsoft, there's we give a lot of leeway to each of the uh, individual groups of engineers so everyone can kind of, you know, figure out and do their own thing. So really, if you can manage to convince your boss and your team to do something, you can probably do it. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are limitations, of course, you know, legal and all that, right? But, you know, basically, you have a lot of leeway. And um, and a lot of people, you know, they kind of see that, but they don't see how to do it. Right. You know, they see the opportunity, but they don't know how to capitalize. So uh, yeah. so that that particular topic. And, and there, yeah, you know, it starts out with... You know, with a rant about things, but uh, but move yeah, on. Yeah, you start out with if somebody's wallowing in self pity, just rub your thumb and forefinger again and say, "This is the world's smallest violin playing." My heart <laughs> cries for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I used to do that when I was ten to my brother. You know? yeah, but it, 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 exactly, that, that's the that's the whole idea. And you know, it, it's funny because that particular one that that you mentioned about, uh, you know, with. Oh gosh, uh, what was it called? With uh, controlling, controlling your, your boss, boss yeah. yeah, right. Um, that one, I got this email from uh, from a senior VP here, John Devon, uh, who now runs Core Windows, and he wrote to me and he said, "You know, I'm never quite sure. Uh, I'm never quite sure if this column is really worthwhile. You know, he was spending." <laughs> spending this time writing this thing because I, I know him from various other things and he was my boss at one point. Uh, he still kind of is in my chain of command actually. And, uh, and you know, he's wondering whether or not it was worth it, but he said he really cracked up at one of the lines. And I, unfortunately I don't have the column right in front of me. I'm searching for it. But well, if you're looking it. for a funny line, I'm, I'm reading the one on services and your, your headline here is, I'm fuzzy on the whole good-bad thing. This is why nothing makes me more miffed than engineers who say, 
What is software plus services? Or much worse, it's a new world. We've got to create services. And then you say, hearing that makes my lunch call for a reappearance. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the one that, that John liked was, uh, congratulations, you've moved from something like, uh, you know, ig- ignorant to incompetent or something like that. I, you know, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, ignorant didn't mean you, you meant you didn't know what you were doing wrong. Now you know, and you're doing it anyway. Yeah, that's that's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, so, if, and if, even just calling back to that boss piece, really, in the end, you're talking about sort of those classic uh, Stephen Covey, you know, you must be influenced to influence concepts. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's the uh, that's the idea, and a lot of the columns are you know more more people kind of oriented, you know, uh, helping people with, uh, uh, you know, with what most people I think would call soft skills. Uh, the columns don't tend to be, you know, terribly technical. I started out a little bit uh, that way with the columns, you know, kind of had a balance of people issues, process issues, you know, tool technique type issues. And I still try and keep that a bit, but I found that, that the specific technical columns you know, those, everyone has their pet thing. There's not, you know, people get really nitty gritty about that stuff. And it doesn't tend to be as, uh, as thought provoking or, um, really in many ways helpful to people. Um, yeah. as a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff that's more people process type stuff. Well, and you really so, hit, uh, you really hit a nerve with some of this stuff. I mean, and, and it doesn't, it's not, like you say, it's the people issues that I'm re, I'm looking at one called, uh, so far away distributed development. And if I could just read here, you say, if you are a software geek like me, being the product support technician for your friends and family comes with the territory. While it's painful to watch your family struggle with software, particularly if you've helped write it, at least you can tell them, back off, I'm a computer scientist, and repair whatever is wrong. Sure, you'll cringe as you undo their failed fixes, but in time you'll set things straight. That is, if you live nearby. If your mom lives a thousand miles away, the call might sound more like this. Mom, honey, they changed my password, and now my email doesn't work. Me, okay, log on to your computer and open Outlook. Mom, using what password? Use whatever password you normally use. The Not the new email one, just my old one? Yes, then open Outlook. Where do I type the password? On the main screen where you click your name and then type a password. What main screen? Wait, can you just open Outlook right now? <laughs> yes, I've got it open, but you told me not to log on. <laughs> Dude, I've had this conversation so many times. With it's, your mother. It's painful. Yes. It, it is. It's truly painful. And that conversation went on. I mean, yeah, it's piecing together a few different conversations that really fit into the space. But, but that conversation went on about that thing for another half hour. It's hard. It was insane. It, and it, it's like that all the time. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. I finally installed VNC for my mother and gave her a static IP address so I could just log on and fix whatever it was much yeah. quicker. Yeah. No, that's sweet. And then there are some new technologies that come out with Vista and some other things that, right. that do make it a bit easier that'll get past the firewalls and stuff, you know, because uh, that stuff, I mean, it's important to protect things, but, you know, then it gets in the way of right. actually seeing people's screens. But, well, then the only yeah, button no, you have and, to tell her to click is the unblock button, right? Yeah. Just click yeah, that, yeah, it'll be well, fine. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, God, I you know you, you just can't you just can't win. Um, but the, the point of uh, you know for each of these columns, you know this opening this opening piece, uh, you know, like you're talking about, is is trying to lead people into more the core of the problem, which there is is the fact that that a lot of conversations that you have when you're doing distributed development, right? I mean, really distributed, like you got people in China or India or or Copenhagen or something like that, because we have dev centers in each of those locations. Um, you know, that conversation is typical of other conversations, you know, that, that you have that may be far more technical or maybe about a spec or about a feature or whatever, right? And it's the same thing. It's the same difficulty in communicating with those people because you say one thing and you think the situation is one way, and in fact, it's something completely different. You're talking past each other. So, you know, that's kind of the form of a lot of these columns is just trying to bring real problems that are sometimes difficult, you know, to, to phrase or to conjure up and put them in a little more plain terms for people so that they can relate to them and then go on to the things of, you know, breaking it down, which is a phrase I use a lot in the columns, you know, breaking down the problem and uh, pointing out, okay, here, here's what's at the core of this and here's what you can do about it. Yeah. And you're, you, you, you have a, a few comments here and there, um, but I, I suspect after this, uh, after this airs, you're probably going to get a lot more comments on your blog. This, uh, yeah, sort of comes um, I, I get plenty of column, you know, comments internally as well. Um, a lot of people internally don't post externally, and it's mostly an internal blog. That's what the asides are all about. Uh, it started out that way, and I'm trying to keep it true to that, um, you know, because you know, after all, I'm being, you know, paid by Microsoft to, uh, to help improve things at Microsoft. So I, I really do write the column for internal, uh, internal readers. And, uh, you know, at, at the current time, um, most of the column is, you know, is read internally. They don't have to go to the external blog to read it because I actually included an email that I send just minimizing the, uh, minimizing the amount of effort required to yeah. actually get to the column. And, uh, you know, and I, and I get, uh, believe me, I get uh, plenty of email yeah. uh, internally for, for some of these topics. Hey, this is Carl. I just need to take a minute to tell you about the latest offerings from our friends at Telerik. As you probably know, they've recently released their huge pack of web controls built on top of ASP.NET Ajax that'll help you build impossibly fast and interactive applications in no time. But you've just got to check out their Windows form stuff. It looks just like WPF. How about a carousel component in Windows forms? How about a super powerful grid view control and 32 other desktop components with dazzling WPF-like features? In reporting, Telerik has this new design surface that simulates graph paper. And it's got so many advanced page layout capabilities, it looks more like graphic design software. So visit www.telerik.com and download a free trial. And make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. How often do you, uh, how often do you write this? Because I see I write like, it once a month. Okay. Do you have them yeah, uh, everything just... that you've ever done on the blog? Because they go back quite a ways. Yeah, well, what I did there was, uh, you, you know, I... I've been writing it since 2001, so now I guess it's like seven years practically. And uh, the original columns were, you know, purely internal. Um, then I got a sabbatical at Microsoft. If you've been here, I think it's like 10 years or something like that. Um, when I 
anyway, whatever. If you've been here a while, you get, and you're in good standing and all that, you get a sabbatical. You get like 12 weeks off, uh, 12 weeks paid, which is sweet. Nice. And yeah, it's a, it's a nice thing. And, you know, and I had, I had qualified for it. And so I was going to take some time off and I had to figure out what to do with that time. And one of the ideas that I came up with along with some trips and stuff was, uh, was putting the columns together for a book. My boss gave me the okay. And, uh, and so I did, um, the, uh, the editor for the book recommended that I go ahead and start, you know, an external presence to help push the book, uh, you know, a bit, but also, you know, as part of the whole thing, right? And so he recommended pulling out three of the columns, uh, the old ones and posting them on the site. And then from there on out, you know, new columns could go on the site. Right, so that's what I've done. So I pulled three columns, including that one that you mentioned about uh, controlling your boss for fun and profit. Uh, I pulled out three of the 49 that are in the book, put them on the site uh, in the same form that they're in the book, and then uh, and then since since the uh, since we finished up the book, I've been putting all new columns on the blog. So there are a bunch of them that I've written since the book came out. Awesome. So what is your yeah? What is your biggest peeve right now? My biggest Your peeve biggest right peeve. now. What pisses you off more than anything else today? Oh God, there's so many things. I, I can tell you what's 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 primary on my mind just uh, you know at, at the moment, um, which I'll probably write a column about either next month or the month after. Uh, and it, it's a small thing, uh, you know. Honestly, you know, it varies month to month, uh, but the one the one that's top of my mind right now is, you know, we're getting closer toward review time. You know, review time will hit us in about a month or two. Yep. Month and a half, something like that. And a lot of people uh, complain about not having opportunities, right, to make it to the next level or whatever, you know, to get promoted to whatever it is. Right. Uh, particularly if they're individual contributors, you know, they, they complain about this, like, you know, I'm not a manager, I'm not this and that, you know, how do I ever get promoted and whatnot, right. you know, there, there's no chances for me, there's no opportunities, blah, 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 you know, they complain, complain, complain. And yet there are tons of opportunities. And what really, what really ticks me off here is that I see countless examples of people having opportunities. They're part of some work group working on, um, you know, improvements to their build system or, um, working with HR on uh, fixing how we do interviewing or working on websites or coming up with some new policy for people or whatever it is, you know, something that's outside the usual job, right? But it's it's going to be influential. It's going to be important, um, whatever it happens to be, some initiative, something. You know, there are a lot of opportunities like that. And I see these people getting these opportunities and then, uh, and then they don't show up to the meeting, right? Hmm. Or they don't contribute. Or the, the, they have this special training opportunity um, and there's a project and they don't get involved in the project. Right. Right. Or, you know, you, you name it, right? There, there's these tons of examples of people, and I'll have to come up with a few for the column, but there are tons of examples for people where they're given an opportunity. They actually get it thrown into their lap. Right. And all they, they have to do is their... step up to the plate and, and take That's it. That's right. All they have to do is step up to the plate. And I'll tell you, any one of these things where you get like 16 people in a room and they're working on 
uh, new ways that we can recruit people or something like that, right? And and I can tell you straight off, there's going to be two or three people who actually do any work and do any thinking and do any kind of contribution, and the rest of the people in the room aren't going to show up half the time and certainly aren't going to contribute. And, and you know, be, because the other people, they're busy, right? They got stuff going on. And the point is, yeah, sure, they got stuff going on. Of course they do. Fair enough. You know, everyone's got stuff going on. But you want the opportunity, you know, you want the growth, you want the impact, you want whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to do something. Right. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to step up. Yeah, you're busy. Of course you're busy. You know, everyone's busy. There's always way too much stuff to do any given day. The issue is choice, right? What are you going to prioritize? What are you going to put in front? And yeah, of course, there will always be, op- you know, there will always be times where, you know what, the number one thing is the number one thing and there's not time for anything else. Fair enough, right? But most of the time, you know, any any given month, there's going to be opportunity for you to actually contribute, actually prioritize down some other things and, you know, put, put these, these great opportunities to come up, give them a higher priority and actually contribute, actually get involved. And what do you know? That's the stuff, right? That, that gives, that, that sets you apart, that gives you that added scope, that added experience and that puts you in a position for a promotion. What's frustrating to me that these guys showed up to that first meeting at all. If you weren't going to do anything, why did you go? Yeah, well, you know, when they feel the obligation or maybe they'll try it out or maybe they have in their mind that it's not going to be a big thing. I, I don't know, frankly. I, it just it, it ticks me off that, uh, that people complain about not having opportunities. And yet when I see people in those opportunities, sure, there are people who do take advantage of them, but it's a fraction. Right. You know, it's a fraction. It's one in six, one in eight who actually get involved, spend the time, and they know who they are and the other people they don't. And and surprising as it may seem, a year or two later when I see those few people who actually did get involved, they're the ones with the bigger jobs. They're the ones, you know, they're the ones who've moved up. Yeah, it's funny how doing things actually, you know, getting makes things done makes a difference. When somebody <laughs> says, ah, that person actually does something. That's yeah. right. Shocking as it may seem. Uh, I remember uh, being in a meeting, uh, 10 people around the table arguing over uh, an implementation of a particular feature. And one guy, one of the guys was sitting at the end of the table and it was obviously not paying attention to the meeting. He was typing on his laptop the whole time. And an hour into the meeting, he suddenly pops up, pulls out a USB key and says, I'm finished the implementation. Can we move on now? <laughs> so while everyone else was arguing about how to do this, he simply wrote it in an hour. Yeah, that, I that 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 you're basically defining my whole career. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I would do all the time. That's that's hilarious. People hate that, by the way. Stop arguing and get coding. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there is that, but the the flip side of it is, you know, I. I'm, I'm totally with you there, and those sort of meetings drive me batty, and you know people just not willing to put in the time or whatever. But very often, the things that move you forward aren't necessarily technical. And I know you got a very technical audience, and, and I appreciate that and, and everything. And I don't want to downplay those things. I don't want to downplay the importance of, of that work either. When you really do have work to do, and you got to get that stuff done. My point is, is that it's not just the technical stuff that makes a difference, um, uh, particularly in this particular topic that I'm talking about, about moving up. You know, very often moving up is 
is knowing, you know, is getting your name out there, is having influence over other people, right? Whether it's, whether it's, you know, through management, which is just one way, or, or it's technically, you know, it's thinking wise, you know, thought leadership, that sort of thing. Having influence over other people makes a big difference. And the way that that happens, right, is very often through, you know, through communicating with other people, through, uh, through working on these things that impact other people. And, uh, and, you know, very often people just let those opportunities pass by. It drives me batty. Let, let an easy one slip away like that. Yeah. 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 It's a gimme. And, uh, well, and, and there's and lots of folks like, running around out there that just don't see the opportunity in the first place. So it's got to be doubly frustrating when you've, all oh, right, you've been given the opportunity. All you had to do was do it. That, that's exact. That's exactly right. And they'll have great excuses. You know, I, I had this important project. I had this other thing. Fair enough. You, you, you did. Yeah. So don't grump that you didn't execute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, boy, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to, uh, to do those other things. And yet people get caught up in the day to day tactical little this and that, right? And they don't take a step back and say, you know, what's the bigger picture? What, what's going to have an impact beyond myself, right? That's really going to make a difference for a lot of other people. And, you know, what can I do to make that happen? I think the frustrating part about this is the lack of acceptance. Hey, you made a choice. To not yes. execute on that opportunity and to work on this other stuff, you must have decided that was more important. So this yes. was a decision. Be happy with your decision. Exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. If they are happy with that decision, that's totally cool. There are plenty of people out there who just want to do their thing, right? Whatever it is. And, and they want, you know, and then they go home and they get involved in what other things that they're, they're doing in their personal lives. Or whatever, and that's fine. There's no problem with that. But if you really do want to move up, if you really do want that next opportunity, then you know, then step up. All right, end of bitch session. I got. I'm, I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you, uh, you know, for something positive that you have seen uh, in the workplace. Uh, somebody doing a really good job in a way that you admire. Um, your mentors. What what sort of qualities do they have that? Um, that uh, that you aspire to or would wish that more people had. Yeah, I, it's it's a good question. There, there's something that you know, there are a lot of different ways to kind of get ahead and become you know that that real thought leader or organization leader or whatever. Um, and uh, and you know one of them is the the pure ambition thing. You know, you're driving to the top, that sort of thing. Type A personality, driver sort of person. Um, and that's one way to do it. Um, those people, you know, typically don't impress me as much as the, the other way, uh, which are those people who just really care about, um, about the company, about, you know, the product idea that they have, about the customers that they're serving, um, about their teams, you know, they don't care about themselves, right? There's this bigger idea this bigger principle that they're going after and and they've gotten ahead um, by totally focusing on on that larger idea and not letting you know anyone else um, knock them down or push them aside or or get them distracted from really achieving um, that vision really caring about that thing and there are a number of folks at Microsoft, some of them, you know, really quite famous, 
that that have more of that sense that they really aren't doing it for themselves. And you know, I've had the I've had the, you know, the I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of those people. Uh, you know, just just some examples. Uh, you know, that that a lot of people would have heard of would be uh, would be Anders Anders Heilsberg or or Dave Cutler. Um, and even, you know, and even Bill Gates. Now, Bill, I think, has, has both those, those traits. He is ambitious. You know, he is really, you know, do it, get, you know, get there, push it up. But also, I think one of the things that has made, um, you know, this creation of his, Microsoft, uh, so successful and, and, and honestly, a, a great place to work. I'm not saying that Microsoft doesn't have its faults. It does. But, but, you know, a, a wonderful place that I really love is that, you know, for, for Bill, it was about really enabling people. I, I don't want to get too foo-foo here, but I mean, really enabling people with computer technology, with software. Um, if you look at what, what Anders is doing, it's not about him. You know, it's not about him becoming more famous or him creating this language or whatever. It's about, you know, it's about this technology that allows people to do things that they couldn't do before. And particularly, obviously, for, uh, you know, for people who write code, you know, allow them to be far more productive, you know, in, in less time, with more ease, not worrying about things, be more secure and all those good things. And he really cares about it. And he cares about it to the point where, you know, he, he goes in there in the code, he's debugging stuff, you know, there's nothing below him you know he's not putting himself on some pedestal or something like that whatever it'll take to make it happen that's right whatever it takes to make it happen and that's what i've heard from every one of these these guys or gals who've moved themselves up right that there's nothing that's below them that they don't do no they do anything that it takes and not so much so that i can reach the pinnacle or something but so that their idea or the people, the, the the principle, or the people, or whatever it is that they care about, they're going to realize that that vision that they have, um, and and that's what matters to them. And it's not about them. It's not about the money. It's about achieving that goal for for the benefit of of people who either are like themselves or people that they care about. Mm. It's really achieving that. And I know it's soft and mushy and whatnot. But I really, I, I really admire those sorts of individuals. It's exciting to me to consider the idea of, and I guess this is what Bill's about in that sense. I have a vision, and that vision is so large, there's no way I can do it all myself. Mm. And I have yeah. to inspire others and get their help to make that vision reality. Yeah. Did you say he actually gets his hands in code still? Now, Bill, I was talking about Anders in that Oh, Anders, case. okay. Yeah, um, and I know that Anders still does. Uh, right. For for Bill, I, I think his time is, I'm sure he still plays around with coding at various different yeah. things, but no, no, he doesn't get involved in any of the production right, code right, that right. I'm aware of. Um, you know, maybe I can be surprised, but I'm, I'm not aware of it. He, his calendar's pretty busy. Mm, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so... So no, I, I I doubt he uh, I doubt he has the time. Well, look at a guy like Scott Guthrie. I mean, uh, both Richard and I oh, totally absolutely. look up to him. I mean, first of all, the guy's brilliant, and uh, and then on top of that, 
He's a truly, truly helpful and caring person. Yeah, absolutely. Scott's another great example. He'll sit down at a conference, you know, for four hours in a chair just talking to people when, you know, he could be back at his hotel working on work or answering emails or sleeping or whatever. And that's totally Scott. He's he's a great guy. And he also, he, he cares about the people in his organization because he's kind of gotten into the manager sort of thing. Um, he cares about the people in his organization. He really cares about how they work and and making that fundamentally work right. And he also, and this is something else that I strongly believe, is that, you know, he gets his hands dirty um, and makes sure that he understands the experience that his people are having, both the customers as well as the people on his team actually trying to create this stuff. And uh, And that makes him really understand, you know, what people are going through, what they need, um, and helps them make, you know, better decisions and, and you know, and be a better manager. And it's right. just the kind of person that he is. Yeah, I really admire Scott. He's a good guy. I've known him for a while. He's a very good guy. Well, and amazing to see him at being a vice president. I mean, it's so senior for a guy who, who just still feels like a coder when you talk to him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, when I first thought, when I was, when I first met him, he was a dev manager for some piece of, uh, of the framework or something, I forget exactly what it was, and it's it's been really cool to watch him uh, watch him be successful. Yeah, definitely a good guy. I'm, you know, we poke it through your blog. I'm fascinated at the storm that rose up around the crash dummies post. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, and, and yeah. literally like a storm. Yes, uh, not every column has that sort of reaction. Um, but, uh, but every once in a while, I, I wrote a column about Google. That one had a whole firestorm around it. Um, the, uh, yeah. And this one run resilience crash dummies, uh, has had a huge, uh, it's had a huge firestorm around it. Usually, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's a genuine difference of opinion. Right. And, and just setting the stage for resilience, you were talking about the whole send error dialogue and, and the idea of, you know, sometimes software should fail. It's the best way to know what to do next. Yeah, yeah and the the big thing that I'm the big point I made with with this latest column is that when you have a failure, just giving up isn't the right thing to do. Right. Um, absolutely, report the failure if it's if it's fatal. You know, you gotta you gotta shut down, um, but you should try to restart. You know, you should try to recover the way the user would recover if they were knowledgeable about how to recover. And I think the firestorm was around a couple of things. One, I said that asserts in the way that they're treated can be evil. And what I meant by that, and I, I think a lot of people misunderstood this uh, in the column, which is why it starts about these firestorms. I think a lot of people interpret like, well, wait, you don't want to do asserts? You think asserts are bad? I'm like, no, 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 no. Having asserts is, of course, you want to have asserts. You want to use asserts. The issue is, if you write code that you assert when, you know, something's wrong, right, and then you don't write any code that in the ship version will actually take care of the situation when it's we'll wrong. Will recover. Yeah, will recover when the situation's wrong. Then, then asserts have, have, have allowed you, right, because of the way that they were written, the way that they were used, have allowed you to write code that doesn't handle the failure, right? Right. That isn't taking the failure seriously. And all you've tested is, is make, you know, trying to make sure that that failure doesn't happen. But failures happen. 
Right. And you need, you know, in the shipping version, if the assert goes away and you're doing nothing to actually, um, to actually handle the situation where things aren't right, you know, it, we're, we're doing our customers this horrible disservice, right? And all that ends up happening is either a full on crash, right? And reports the error. Now the user is left to hang in, you know, or, or it's just something that, that, Anyone would know what to do about it. You know, it's you know? a classic example of what I'm reading through the comments of of taking something that was said uh, for a particular situation, and because people have a lot of pain around personal pain around dealing with things that when things crash, you know that hey, that's pretty embarrassing, especially if something crashes in production and they call you. I mean, you know, that can be quite uh, you know quite a blow. And, you know, everybody, when you, when you just make these comments, people will ma- magically just think of their own selves and their own past and the, what, what they've experienced and then try to apply what you've said to that. And, of course, it doesn't fit. So uh, therein lies the, the problem. I mean, you basically touched a painful point, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's what and happens. Of course, that's, that's part, you know, that's very much intentional. The column is not meant to be a nice, touchy-feely column. Right, the right. column is meant to spark debate, to be controversial. And you if, know, if I wanted to touch all sides and be right. nice and everything, it wouldn't be I am right. And, of course, so, what happens is after about 40 or 50 comments, people begin to discuss it, and then you get some more context around things, and they actually understand that they're not all crazy and you're not crazy. And, ah, okay, yeah, yeah we, now we all understand yeah. each other. Yeah, that's, 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 that's exactly the process. But boy, it can be quite a firestorm until people get a better sense of, you know, what the intent was to get over their initial thing. And honestly, some people did bring up, you know, some good comments there about, yeah. boy, you know, starting to put in exception handlers can lead to security, you know, security holes and stuff. And you have to be careful about how you respond, particularly to exceptions, um, how you respond appropriately, particularly to exceptions that you weren't expecting. Right. It's one thing to, yeah, it's one thing to expect, you know, a certain right exception or something like that where, yeah, I know how to handle that and I can handle that appropriately, um, versus some exception that, you know, it was actually a hacker in there trying to, you know, trying to get some, uh, some extra privilege. So, so you do need to be careful. And that was a good point that I really didn't bring up when I first, uh, wrote the column. It's pretty impressive that Michael Jackson posted at 3.39 in the morning, you know, with the <laughs> Michael Jackson. Leaving a comment on your blog, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, you know, we get all kinds. (laughs) Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActorReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. You know, the, the funny thing is that is actually, I think, one of the good proofs of power of blogging there, that that storm actually had a constructive end that it provided more information about the topic. Right. It clarified things. So, you know, for someone to read the blog post and then read the comments is to get more info than to just read the blog post. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's obviously, um, you know, as a blogger, that's what you hope for. But, you know, funny how it just doesn't happen that often that way. Yeah. Well, and but that's, 
you know, that's part of the idea of having this, this character, right? Where things are so black and white to them and they are really opinionated and they're not afraid to say something somewhat controversial or to insult, you know, in some cases their own readers. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's to drive that conversation and it's, and it can be uncomfortable. And I have to say, when people are, you know, attacking me, sometimes personally, um, on these things, maybe, maybe they're attacking my character, maybe they're attacking me. Uh, you know, on the one hand, I was, I was talking to some friends, uh, you know, in my head, I'm ecstatic. That's just what I want. I, I right. want, I want that controversy. I want that conversation. I want just what you're talking about to happen. Um, I have to say, in my stomach, I still get that pit in my stomach of, sure. oh, God, you know, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. I've made myself a target. Right. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a little bit scary, but, but you know, but that's, that's, uh, that's, part of, that's part of the deal of putting, you know, putting yourself out there, putting out an opinion, and, uh, and making it more than just a uh, trying to make peace with everyone, but actually try and stir things up a bit and, and get people talking. Sure, and it also con- makes people confront those things, you know, those those difficult uh, feelings or whatever, because yeah. that's really what you're doing. You're stirring up feelings, right? And yeah. uh, once they work through those things, then they can actually get to the issue. And, um, oh, it's good. It's very yeah, and helpful. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully tackle what is a very difficult problem. You know, resilience is really hard. Right. And yet, you know, and yet we have to get there, and not just at Microsoft, but, you know, in you know, the software industry in general. We have to get to that point. And the company, you know, and, and the developers who get to that point of resilience where even in the worst of circumstances, you know, their code can stay up and running and, uh, and working the way the user expects. Um, you know, they're going to be the people that, uh, that people trust, that people buy, you know, that people use, um, you know, that's going to be the software that's successful. And that's what's happened, you know, for just about every other technology, cars, TVs, you know, uh, recorders, you name it, right? Yep. The ones that just work, even when there is a failure, you know, they recover, they, they, you know, they continue to function. Um, the user doesn't have to be, you know, some techie in order to figure out how to get it to, to continue to work. You know, those are the successful products. Absolutely. Should we jump into another topic? Yeah, sure. Software performance. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just have so many hot-button topics on this blog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, it's whatever's, it's whatever's ticking me off that particular month. That's what I write about. <laughs> Obviously, you'd seen too much of the... Uh, hourglass that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was one of those things where that one actually started out from uh, from this uh, this thing that I got invited to, where a bunch of uh, performance guys, guys and gals were getting together um, for a soapbox thing, and I got invited to attend there. And they said, "Attend as as my character. Attend as I am right." Awesome. And, yeah, and just go off. And so they're all talking about things about, you know, memory access and, uh, and networking speeds and, you know, a whole bunch of different, a whole bunch of different, you know, highly technical, uh, performance issues, just, just like you'd expect, you know, just like, like you want from that community. I'm like, you know what? You know, and I didn't go in there with a specific idea in mind. I was just listening to those other people go and I'm like, you know, you know, there's, 
there's a lot of little tweaking, technical tweaking things that you can do. But a lot of the time, what's really influencing performance is how you're designing the experience, you know, from the start. And and it made me think about the doctor's office. And so that's kind of when, what I went off on as my initial rant and then tied it back into how we design software to begin with and whether or not the user actually experiences performance versus what's, you know, going on on the machine. So... Kind of that, that's where I went with it. Yeah, perceived performance versus measured performance, I think is the exactly. key one there. And, exactly. And of course, I think as devs, we always fall on the numbers, which is not automatically a bad thing, but perceived performance is important. That's why Ajax is so successful. If you read the numbers on Ajax, it's not that good. <laughs> but the perceived performance is phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah, you get you got it. That's, uh, that's precisely the point. And you know, by uh, by thinking about what the user is going to, you know, what you want the user to experience, and, I, and this has been a hot button in my mind, you know, for the last, uh, oh gosh, well, for a while, I guess, is thinking about the user experience, right? There's two things that you really want to design. You want to design what the user is going to experience, what that experience is going to be like, and you want that to be a really positive experience. And then you want to design the, the engineering behind it, right? So the engineering architecture and the experience architecture, if you like, or whatever, you, you want to think about, um, what the user, what, what the user goes through and then design the implementation underneath so that, you know, that's exactly uh, how they experience it. And, and very often these performance issues can go away just by how you design you know, how it works. And all of us have experienced this, you know, the thing that I, that I rant about is the doctor's office. All of us have experienced this horrific uh, time of waiting in the doctor's office on three or four different cues. It is horrible, you know, isn't first, it? Yeah, yeah. First, first when you show up to take your, your, your card, you know, your uh, insurance card, then waiting to go into some room, and then you go into the room and you wait, right? And then finally, the you know, the doctor arrives, and then you wait for other stuff too. It's crazy. It's crazy. And that, and that's not because it has to take that long. You know, applying just some fairly straightforward lean principles. And I kind of get into theory of constraints and stuff in, in that column, but uh, just applying some, some lean principles takes the weight out. And then nothing happens any faster. No one's going any faster, but your experience is faster. Right. And that's fantastic. That's what you want. I also liked how your little aside on what about multi-core processors? It's like, wait a second, this is about an experience, not about a technology. That's exactly right. I don't care how you implement it; just fix the experience. That's exactly right. And and when you do, um, you know, the good things happen. And you know, you can go multi-core up the wazoo. Uh, it 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 doesn't make a difference in the in the end experience if you haven't thought through what that's going to be for the person. You got to look at it from the customer's point of view. Absolutely. And I do think there's a sort of callback to our previous thing about the whole assert stuff, which is customers are prepared to accept that software fails if you're at least polite to them and give them a logical out. You know, I always get a laugh on stage when I pull out, I say, I hate that dialogue that says registry is corrupt, which is bad. And the only button I can press is okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have to agree with it too. 
Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, like, like, you know, this of course is the, the thing for my current column, right? You had a failure. What are you going to do about it? You know, you're going to tell the user, it's corrupt. You know, what the heck is that? He doesn't know Please. what it means. He doesn't agree. I mean, I had, a, I had a neighbor phone me and say, where's the not okay button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, God, you know, the, <laughs> the thing that kills me about this stuff is that it's not actionable, right? Right. I, mean, you know, I it, don't it know what to do next. Said, it, it's corrupt. Um, just try your action again. You know, or it's corrupt. You need to shut down and you need to reboot or you need to do something. You know, even if even if it didn't fix it 100 percent of the time, you know, if you gave someone something to do, great. You know, OK, they'd feel better. Yeah, they'll feel better. They can do something. Just saying it's corrupt and putting up an OK button. What the heck? Every so often, I am right just sort of pops out in this conversation. I, <laughs> just like know, that. It, it, it's true. You, you just long the freaking problem and move on. WTF? I, I, people just need to think more. It's so easy. You're, you're in your office or whatever. You're working on your machine, right? And you're writing this stuff up, and an air condition comes up, and you're like, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. For crying out loud, I should probably let him know. And you're looking at it from your point of view, right? right? Not from the customer's point of view. Or you imagine yourself as being a customer and you're not. You know, mm. that's another great column to write is you're not the freaking customer. You are you not know? the customer. And, it, and you are. Yes. You know, it's someone else. And if you ever need to figure it out, just just listen in on, P- on product support calls for a while. And you'll yeah. realize who the customer is. They aren't you. <laughs> you ain't them. We're so far away from being a customer. It's amazing. And even in cases where you're writing stuff, you know, let's say you're writing, you know, like the .NET class libraries. That's your job. Yeah. You know, and you think, wow, I'm the customer, right? No, you're not the customer. The customer isn't writing the .NET class libraries. The customer is using the .NET class libraries. Have you ever tried using them? You know, you're writing this clever thing. And, and by the way, I think they're actually really nicely designed. But, you know, there's, there's so much of this sense of, oh, yeah, I'm the customer. Customer's just like me. No, they're not. No, they're not. If they were just like you, you wouldn't be writing the software. You know, they'd yeah. be writing the software. Oh, God. It, sorry. Well, then I think that's where we get in this trouble with error messages. The problem yeah. is the guy writing the error message already understands the error. Yep. And everybody yep, who yep. sees the error message doesn't understand the error. Because if they did understand it, they wouldn't have gotten the error. Yeah. Or, or they, they'd know better what to do better. They wouldn't need the error message in the first place or something. Right. Yeah. It's, that, that's, that's exactly it. People get caught up. They think they're the customer. And, and, and it's not, it's not that, oh, I think I'm the customer. You know, they just get lost in that. Yeah. Right. And, and they forget to stop and think, okay, well, well, well wait a minute. What is, the, you know, what would the customer do? What would I want the customer to do with this information? And if the answer is nothing, they want the customer to do anything with this information, then don't tell them, log it, you know, log it, send it back through, uh, we, we have technology called Squim. Send it back through Squim, send it back through Watson, uh, log it in the error log so that product support can see it, something, you know, but do, do something that's going to actually result in an action that'll help the customer. You know, and if you need to tell the customer to do something, tell the customer to do something. But telling the customer, say it's okay that I screwed up is, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. The the default reactions we've got, that default reaction of I know what the customer needs, that default reaction of just pop a dialogue are almost never right. Yeah. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. But it is extra work and I know people like they like to focus on the nominal case where everything's working fine. Right? Of course they do. You know. And uh, and so worrying about these error cases and recovery and all that sort of thing, you know, it's it's not top of mind for a lot of folks. And yet, stuff fails. It fails. Even if even if your code was perfect, it fails. Hardware fails. Keyboards fail. Mines fail. Stuff fails. Yeah. You know. And you know, networks fail all the time for crying out loud, right? So something is going to fail in your code, even if you didn't make any mistakes. And you need, and, and of course you are going to make mistakes. And so you, the idea isn't to make it bug free. The idea, and this is my current column, right? The idea is to make it resilient to failure, right? Have right. it handle the situation somehow. That doesn't mean you handle, you know, handle is an overloaded term, right? Doesn't mean you handle every exception literally. It means that the code, when a failure happens, one way or another recovers. And, you know, and in the column, I talk about there are a variety of different ways to recover, different variety of different mechanisms. And I, I use one particular scheme that's used for uh, for web services, and I talk about how that might be applied to PCs. But but there are lots of different approaches to uh, to dealing with these failures. And the idea is just, you know, hey, the, the code should continue to function one way or another, even if that means restarting, you know, shutting down and coming back. It should it should be able to be resilient to failure one way or another because because otherwise you know it's the user that has to do it and does the user always know how to do it? No, they don't. Right out loud. Eric, what's next for you? I mean, are you thinking about an, your next post? Are you uh, are you gonna uh, are you are you doing anything interesting that you want to talk about? What's what what's next? Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually going to take the the June post off. I usually do take at least uh, one post during the summer off, and often it's the June one because we have a big internal conference here that uh, that my group's responsible for, um, and it involves all the engineers of the company. It's a big, it's not all of them come, of course, but you know it's a it's a big a big week long event that we run. So I'm going to be pretty Is that busy. tech ready. Uh, no, it's actually happening the same week as TechEd, but it's internal. It's the Engineering Excellence and Trustworthy Computing Forum. Cool. And, uh, yeah, we run that every year. Uh, it's a great event, um, but it's purely internal, uh, you know, for internal engineers trying to, you know, uh, trying to improve how they do things and all the usual stuff. You know, do a little networking, all that. Uh, usual kind of thing you do for a normal conference, except it's internal. Anyway, so I'm really focused on that. Um, and it should be a great event, but, That'll probably keep me from uh, from the next blog, but I'm I'm never I'm never at a loss for uh, for ideas <laughs> for, yeah. for topics for the column. It's purely a matter of choosing whichever one's really uh, getting getting to me that. Particular well, we'll definitely month. keep on reading it. It's great stuff, and thanks for uh, well, thanks, thanks for joining us. Thanks very us. much. Oh, it's 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 been my pleasure, and I, I uh, I'm glad to uh, be sharing it more with the world. Uh, a bit more. That's why I have my little Eric aside so that I kind of insert in after I've written it for the Microsoft audience. I try and put in some things in case there's something I'm talking about that's not going to make much sense to people outside the company. Excellent. But, uh, you know, I hope uh, even for the Microsoft uh, haters out there, and I know there's plenty of them, uh, some of them are actually my friends. (laughs) 
you know, I, I, I think it's uh, wonderful if people can get anything out of it. Excellent. Hey, thanks a lot. And uh, it's been my pleasure. We will see you next time. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 